God has created you, he's created me to change our worlds. God created you to be a world changer. And how do we change our world? We change our world one person at a time. Now, sometimes Christians are tempted. We, we look at the condition of our world, we look at the condition of our society, and we, we throw up our hands. Say, oh, what is this world coming to? And then we start looking at this is wrong and that is wrong and say, it's hopeless. What can we do? It's out of control. And what's the problem with thinking that something is hopeless? If you think something is hopeless, then you're not going to do anything about it, are you? You're just going to moan and groan and complain and grumble. And the Bible tells us that's not what we were created to do. We were created to change things. With God, you and I as believers can actually do things that will have a huge impact on our world. Let's look at Luke 18, 27. I'd encourage you to pull out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. Uh, it's in there. It's got the outline written out with the verses. On the back side is a study guide, which you can uh, use on your own. It's some questions to dig in deeper to the message. This is also be covered uh, in the life groups, in many of the life groups during the week, including the Sunday night group tonight. Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied and said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. So whenever you think, oh, it's impossible, nothing can be done. What's impossible with man is possible with God. To put it another way, nothing is impossible with God. Maybe, that, maybe you, maybe I, by ourselves and our own strength, can't make a very big difference in the world. Maybe there's nothing we can do about some things, but we are not alone. We are not alone. God is with us if we're believers, and with Him all things are possible, even changing our world. Now, as Doug mentioned, in two Sundays, Easter is coming. It's coming on April 20th this year. It's the celebration of Easter eggs and bunnies. Is that... Is that why we have Easter? No, it's the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The biggest event that's ever happened on this planet. It's a time to invite many people who do not regularly go to church, but people are open uh, to going to church on Easter if somebody invites them. I'm going to be preaching on the topic, the resurrection changes everything. We're going to look at why is the resurrection so important? What does it change? Going to give a clear presentation of the gospel. And as Doug said, there's an invite card in your bulletin. There's some more over on the ministry table on my left. I encourage you to use them to invite your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, your workmates to our Easter service. You think, well, that's not a big deal. It could be a far bigger deal than you imagine. Your simple invitation of someone to an Easter service could change their world could change their lives for eternity. And each changed life can change another life. And so that invitation that you give to someone to an Easter service, to our Easter service, could change the world in a bigger way than you could possibly imagine. I'd like us to watch a short video called Easter Invitation and see how an invitation could change the world. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Think of all the lives that could be changed with one invitation. Let's invite people we know to our Easter service. Today my message is entitled, Sharing the Good News. 
sharing the good news. In the New Testament, the Greek word for gospel is euangelion, and that means good news. Gospel means good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, is good news. It's great news. It's, it's the best news that's ever traveled this planet. It's wonderful news. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so God's word tells us not to be ashamed of the good news, not to be ashamed of the gospel. Why does it tell us not to be ashamed? Because sometimes we tend to be ashamed and we're afraid to share. But it's, it's good news. It's not something to be ashamed of. So don't cover up your gospel light. Let it shine to all those around you. The gospel is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone that hears, to everyone that listens. This morning we're going to be looking at an example of sharing the good news. It's found in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts contains the history of the early church. But we need to be careful when we read the book of Acts to understand that Acts is not just a history lesson. It's not just things that happened uh, thousands of years ago. It's meant to teach us something. It's meant to show us God's plan for our age. It's meant to show us what God wants to do in and through us today. And so what happens in Acts is not just a historical record. It's, it's the pattern that God has set forth for his church of all ages. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so in Acts, we have the story of believers empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. Now today we're going to look at an example of a Jew empowered by the Holy Spirit being a witness or sharing the good news to a Gentile for the very first time. We're going to learn how we can share the good news as well. Now the first principle we want to look at today is that God prepares hearts for the good news. We're not in this alone. God is working and preparing hearts that his gospel might be shared. Our story begins in Acts chapter 10, verse 24. It says, The following day, Peter arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. Now, I'd like to encourage you to read the whole chapter of Acts chapter 10 this week, because uh, it's 48 verses long, and we just cannot cover 48 verses verse by verse in the time we have on Sunday mornings. So we're going to begin in verse 24. And this is where Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, is arriving in Caesarea where Cornelius lived. Now Cornelius was a, a Roman centurion. He was an officer in the Roman army. He was over 100 plus Roman soldiers. And he was a Gentile. And he had called together a large group of friends and relatives to hear what Peter had to say about Jesus Christ. Now how had this all happened? How, how had God arranged this to happen? How had God prepared hearts to hear the good news? Well, first of all, God had prepared his witness, which in this case was Peter. Verse 28, Peter said to them, You are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God 
has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And so Peter was going to be God's witness to Cornelius and God had prepared Peter for this encounter. Just a few days before, Peter had been in prayer and he had a vision. God spoke to him. Peter saw a sheet coming down from heaven. And in this sheet were all kinds of animals, unclean animals. And God told Peter, kill and eat. And Peter thought, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. I'm a Jew. All these animals are unclean. The law of God in the Old Testament says I shouldn't eat unclean animals. I can't do that. And the voice told him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And in the course of events, as things unraveled or unfolded over the next couple days, Peter realized that God was not speaking so much of animals, although he was making all food clean, but he was speaking mainly of people. That the Jews were not the only clean people, that the Jews were not the only people of God, that God was now opening up the doors to people of every race, every nationality, he was opening the door to the Gentiles. The news of the gospel was not just for Jews. It was for the unclean Gentiles as well. And so God had spoken to Peter and he had prepared his heart to share a witness with a Gentile, Cornelius, for the very first time. Now, not only has God, did God prepare his witness, God prepared the seeker. Cornelius relates the story of what happened to him Beginning in verse 31, he says, uh, An angel said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. And so not only did God prepare Peter to meet with Cornelius, he prepared Cornelius to meet with Peter. He sent an angel to speak to Cornelius, and he said, Cornelius, I've seen that you are seeking after God. You fear God, but you do not yet know Jesus Christ. And so, invite Peter to your home because he's going to tell you the good news of the gospel. And so what did Cornelius do? He invited everybody he knew to his house. His house was filled with a large crowd of people and he invited Peter to come to speak to them. Now, one point that's often overlooked in this story is that immediately prior to God speaking to Peter, God speaking to Cornelius, the scripture records they were both men of prayer. They were praying. They were seeking God. And that's always a prerequisite to us hearing from God. And so after, as they prayed, God sent an angel to Cornelius. He sent a vision to Peter to prepare their hearts. Prayer prepares the way for us to hear God. It prepares the way for us to be his witnesses. Now, if you're a believer here this morning, then God has put a desire in your heart to be a witness, to tell other people about Jesus. And God wants you to know today that you're not alone. It's not all up to you. He's working with you. He wants to work through you to tell other people about Jesus. Too often we think it all depends on us when we think about talking to somebody else about Jesus or inviting somebody to church. But in this story, we learn the principle that God is working in our hearts and God is working in the hearts of the people that we're going to talk to. 
and together great things can happen. And so sharing the good news, being a witness for Jesus, is, is believers working together with the Holy Spirit to change the world. Now the good news is for everyone. The good news or gospel. We're going to say good news instead of gospel because that's what the gospel is. It's good news. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. Now he's speaking to Cornelius and all the people that Cornelius has invited to hear uh, Peter speak at his house. All his friends, all his relatives. Peter began to speak. said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And so the gospel is for everyone. Regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of nationality. There should be no discrimination in who we share the gospel with. And for Peter, that meant the good news was not just for the Jews. The good news was also for the Gentiles as well. And what's a Gentile? Well, a Gentile is anybody who's not a Jew. So if you're not a Jew this morning, then you're a Gentile. I think most of us here are Gentiles. But it really doesn't matter. Because Jew or Gentile, the good news is for everybody. And our vision at Life Church is to be a church for every age, for every race, for every nationality. We want our church to be a, a picture of the kingdom of heaven. We want all kinds of different people to feel welcome here. No matter where you came from, no matter uh, what your age, no matter what your race. And so we welcome, we pray that our church would reflect the diversity of people that God has created uh, in this St. Louis area. We don't just want to be a church for one narrow slice of people. The good news is for everyone. And it's all about Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Peter next brings this out in verse 36. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Who is Lord of all. And so the gospel did come first to Israel. Uh, Jesus was a Jew. He was born from the line of David. He came to be the Messiah for Israel. But Peter makes clear here that Jesus is not just the Savior of the Jews. He's not just the Messiah for the Jewish nation. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of everyone. And so the good news of Jesus Christ brings peace with God as we submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We cannot just accept Jesus as our Savior and have our sins forgiven and live any way we want. We submit our lives to His Lordship. That's what it means to be a Christian. He must be both Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ is not only Lord of all, He brings healing. Peter goes on to talk about what Jesus did in His ministry here on earth. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so Jesus himself was anointed with the Holy Spirit. You notice in the first part of the book of Acts, it says, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be witnesses. Well, Jesus himself was anointed with the power of the Spirit to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. And Peter summarized Jesus' ministry here. Jesus healed those who were under the power of the devil. Now this summarizes all kinds of uh, miracles, all kinds of ministry that Jesus did. 
He demonstrated his power over sickness. He healed people who were physically ill. He demonstrated his power over different types of bondage and oppression that people were uh, in because of the devil and demonic powers. He set people free. And what happened when Jesus healed people? That healing power of Jesus got people's attention. And it drew people to him so that he could tell them the good news. That he could share the truth of God. The healing ministry of Jesus continued even after he ascended to heaven. The book of Acts is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ through the early church. And it continues to this day through the church of Jesus Christ, through the Spirit-filled church. So how do these principles apply to us today? Well, every person that you see, every person that you see is a person who needs Jesus in their lives. There's nobody accepted. Oh, that person doesn't need Jesus. Every person needs Jesus. Don't count anyone out. Don't think this person will never listen. This person couldn't possibly want to be a Christian. Jesus is Lord of all. Oftentimes in Jesus' ministry, as I've said, and in the book of Acts, healing would open somebody's heart to listen to the good news of the gospel. Now you might say, well, I'm not Jesus. I'm not an apostle. I can't heal anyone. And that's true. But when you as a believer, or I as a believer, when we pray for somebody, Jesus can heal them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus can use us as channels of his power. Prayer can channel God's power through us to another person. That's the wonderful thing about prayer. It can bring healing to those in need. And there are people all around us who need healing. People need all kinds of healing. Some people need physical healing. Is anybody at work or a neighbor or a relative ever come up to you and say somebody's sick or I'm sick or my somebody in my family or relative is sick there's an opportunity to pray for that person to be healed other people need healing from emotional issues you ever known somebody who's very depressed ever known somebody who has other emotional problems they need Jesus healing touch in their lives and we can pray for them. Yet others need healing in their relationships. Relationships, marriages are being fractured at an increased rate across our country. We need God's healing power to bring back together relationships that are fractured. And so every time you hear of a problem, we might be tempted to go, oh, not another problem. Don't tell me. I've heard enough problems for the day. I've got enough problems of my own. Why should I listen to your problem? Anybody ever thought of that? <laughs> no, nope, nobody has. A problem is an opportunity for God to work. That's an opportunity for us to pray and be channels of God's power to bring healing into somebody's life. It's part of the good news. The healing power of God that is active today. And it opens people's hearts as God moves in their lives and answers our prayers. It opens their hearts to hear the good news. Because even more important than people being healed 
the good news can bring salvation. The heart of the good news is that Jesus came so that people can be saved. The Bible tells us the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He came to save people. Now, what are we saved from? We talk about, you know, people need to be saved. Saved from what? They need to be saved from their sins. Every person, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned. And that sin has a destructive uh, effect on our lives here and now. And our sin destines us for eternal death in hell if they're not dealt with. And so Jesus wants us to be saved from the destructiveness of our sin in this life and from an eternity in hell. And so we're saved from that and we're saved for what? We're saved to enter into a relationship with God. We're saved to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship that's going to last forever. It begins in this life and it continues on throughout eternity. And so we're saved from something and we're saved for something. That's what salvation is all about. Our eternity will last forever with Jesus Christ in a place called heaven. So how did Jesus bring about this salvation? This is really the heart of the gospel. This is what people have to believe in order to be saved. Peter shows us. These are not just stories. These are teaching examples of how you and I can share the gospel. Remember, Peter is talking to Cornelius. Peter, a Jew, is talking to Cornelius, a Gentile. He says, we are witnesses, there's that word again, witnesses, of everything he, speaking of Jesus, did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God, but God, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And so Jesus was crucified on a cross. He lived a perfect life. He took our sins upon himself. It's talked about in other places of the scripture. But the important thing is that he was crucified for us. And God raised him from the dead three days later. We're going to talk more about this on Easter. But the resurrection is, is crucial. It's critical. Because if Jesus was not raised from the dead. If Jesus is still dead. Then nothing we say has any meaning. But Jesus was raised from the dead. And many people saw him. Including Peter himself. He was an eyewitness. And so Jesus rose from the dead on that first Easter after being in the tomb for three days. He rose from the dead never to die again. And so he's alive today. Peter goes on to say in verse 42, He, speaking of Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And so this Jesus who is seated in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, is going to come again. We call it the second coming. He's going to come again to this earth and he's going to be the judge of the living and the dead. He's going to preside at judgment day. He's going to separate all the people who are alive and who have ever lived. He's going to separate them into two groups. On his right hand are going to be those who believe in him and are going to spend eternity with him in heaven. On his left, he's going to separate out those who did not believe in him and they're going to spend eternity in hell. And so Jesus died, rose again, and is coming again as judge. 
Now, how can somebody receive salvation? They need to simply believe in Jesus to be forgiven. Peter concludes here in verse 43. He says, all the prophets testify about him. This morning in class, we were looking at the prophet Isaiah, how he testified that Jesus was coming to set the captive free. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him, who believes in Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so, in order to be saved, the gospel says that people must believe in and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't simply mean, you know, I believe there was a man named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, we, you do need to believe that. It's true. It's a historical fact. But that isn't what this is talking about. To believe in Jesus is to put your trust in him. To ask him to forgive your sins. And to believe that he lives today. That he rose from the dead and he lives. He paid the penalty for your sin. He can bring you into a relationship with God. A relationship called eternal life that's going to last forever. Putting your belief in that. You believe what Jesus said, what God's word said is true. You put your trust in him and invite him into your life. That is good news. That news can change your life forever. That news can change anybody's life forever. And we as believers, if you're a believer here this morning, have the privilege of telling other people the good news. Now notice that Peter here says that he is a witness of Jesus. What does a witness what does a witness do? So in a court of law, what does a witness do? A witness simply tells what he knows about something. He tells what he's experienced. He doesn't have to answer every question that somebody might have. He simply tells what he knows and he has experienced. And how can you do that today? When you're talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, you explain to them what you know. Just like Peter did. That's not hard. You can have a, a child of six years old can explain the simple facts of the story of Jesus. He lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. Our sins might be forgiven. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he's coming again. And you share that you have believed in Jesus. If you're a believer, I have believed in Jesus. I have submitted my life to him and I'm trusting him and he has changed my life. And you simply encourage the other person to believe as well. It's not complicated. If you're a believer here this morning, you can be, you should be a witness for Jesus Christ each and every day. Now what happened with Cornelius and a large group of people that had gathered to hear Peter witness to them. The Bible tells us that everyone believed. They all believed in Jesus Christ. And then everyone was baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues praising God and finally everyone was baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. It was a wonderful result. And we see these three experiences tied together throughout the book of Acts. People believe. They're saved. Uh, believe in our saved. That's one experience. They're baptized in water. And they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The good news brings salvation. And so God wants, if you're a believer here this morning, you to be a witness for him. That's what we're talking about. That's how we change our world. He wants you to share the good news with everyone that you know. 
there's a lot of bad news in the world. As covered, our headlines are covered with bad news day in and day out. And this is good news. You know, people are discouraged. There's so much bad news. It gets people down. They're open to hearing something good. And this is great news. It's the best news we could share with anybody. Now, we come up with so many excuses why not to talk to somebody about Jesus. If I really don't know what they believe, well, share the good news and you'll probably find out. Well, they say they're a Christian. Well, share the good news with them and see if that's what they believe, if that's what they mean by saying they're a Christian. A lot of people say they're Christian. It means all kinds of things. Well, they already go to church somewhere. Well, share the good news anyhow. There's a lot of churches that do not teach the good news of Jesus as the gospel, as the Bible records. Now, the people that, here's to make it real simple, the people that you share the good news with can be in one of two categories. They're either a believer or they're not. If you share with somebody who's already a believer, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to be thrilled that somebody is sharing the gospel. If somebody tries to share the gospel with me, I don't get mad at them. I say, great. Now, I'm already a believer. We're brothers. I'm glad you're sharing the gospel. I mean, I'm thrilled that somebody actually, it doesn't happen very often. If somebody is not a believer, well, they're the very ones you really need to share with, right? They need to hear the good news. And so it's a win-win situation whether the person is a believer or not. You were created, we were created to share the new, good news of Jesus Christ and change our world. So let's get busy this Easter season. To be a witness for Jesus Christ, you've got to be a believer. And if this morning you're not sure if you're a believer, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to believe in Jesus Christ. Now I try to make it uh, real simple. I put up the ABCs. To become a believer, you admit that you've sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. We simply admit it. I've sinned, I've done wrong things. Secondly, we believe that Jesus died to forgive our sins. He died and rose again. What we've been talking about this morning. And finally, see, we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We put our trust in him as our Lord and Savior. It's very simple. A child of five or six can understand those principles and become a believer. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you're not sure you're a believer here this morning, I'd encourage you to pray with me. If you're not sure that if you would pass on this afternoon, you would go to heaven, then you need to pray this prayer. Because when you're a believer, God gives you assurance in your heart that you are a believer and that you're going to go to heaven. If you're wondering if you're good enough to go to heaven, That's the wrong way to think about things because none of us is good enough to go to heaven. We need Jesus' forgiveness. Salvation does not depend on us being good enough. If that's holding you up, we encourage you to read the book, uh, How Good is Good Enough, which goes into this in greater detail. We go to heaven simply because we put our trust and believe in Jesus Christ. So let's pray right now. If, you're, if you want to be sure that you're a Christian this morning, I encourage you to pray with me in your own mind, something like this. Father, today, 
I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, and rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in you. Thank you for saving me. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would use us to share His good news to more and more people. Father, today, we thank You for this account of Peter sharing the good news. Sharing the good news in a way that was, was probably uncomfortable for him. With somebody very different from himself. Help us to have the same kind of courage, the same kind of boldness that Peter had. God, we pray that you would prepare us to be your witnesses just as you prepared Peter. And prepare the hearts, God, of people that are in our circle of influence, people that you want us to share the good news with. God, help us to go through each and every day, beginning this afternoon and Monday when we go to work, and help us to have eyes to see that Every person we meet is somebody who needs you in their lives. Forgive us for coming up with all kinds of excuses for not, not sharing the good news with those around us. Give us opportunities, God, to pray for healing for people, to pray for the problems that people have, because that will open the door for the good news. Open hearts, God, to receive your touch. And when the time is right, give us the courage to focus on Jesus and who He is and what He's done and what He can bring into our lives. We thank You, God, for the difference that each of us is going to make as we grow in being witnesses for Jesus Christ, as we grow in sharing the good news. God, help us to sense the excitement, the adventure that that brings to life when we're on mission for You. Not just concerned about our problems, but sharing the best news that's ever been on this planet. God, use our church to change the world in new ways this year as we learn better how to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.